Pharisees and Sadducees at the time. Um, they didn't come to confirm him as who he was. They came to test him and not to test him to learn more. They came to pick him apart, or so they thought. They came to discredit him. And Jesus seemingly wore out, gets in a boat, and is headed across the, uh, the lake. And he has a little private conversation with his disciples. And what's he say? If you bring up the first scripture, it's in Matthew 6, or I'm sorry, 1611. Jesus says a very simple statement. He says, how is it you don't understand that I'm not speaking to you about bread, but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees? See, when we hear that, it's hard for us to understand it. We live in a culture that we hear the idea of yeast, and it just kind of, okay, that's kind of odd to say it that way. We don't really get it. But if we were to take off the lens of the culture we were raised in, and we pick up the lens of the Jewish man, or the Jewish woman, and we can look at it, we'll see deeper revelations about what that would have meant to his disciples. Anybody that knows me knows I love Israel. I love learning Jewish customs because I believe it gives us layers upon layers of deeper insight. So when this statement was said to the disciples, it struck a chord with them. This meant something much more than just a casual statement. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What did it mean to them? Well, it goes back. It goes back many, many years, something that they seen as a young Jewish boy growing up in their home that they did over and over again. It has roots, the statement has roots in the Passover, one of the most important times in a Jewish man and woman's life, right? So as we think about that, Jesus making this stat statement, it had a resounding kind of um, meaning behind it to them. When they heard the word yeast, it was very, very important. And we're going to go back a few thousand years to uh, another scripture that was Moses' uh, declaration to the Israelites, but it was what Jehovah God had told him to tell them as preparation for the Passover. So I want you to turn, we're going to bring up the scripture, to Exodus 12.15. Exodus 12.15 was what, he, what Moses had told the people. He said, for seven days, now this is preceding the very first day of the Passover. This is what you had to do. It said, for seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast, and on the first day remove the yeast from your houses. Go ahead, there'll be another slide with that. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it, from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. Now this is very interesting because if you've ever been exposed to Jewish culture, which I had a blessing to be around some uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews, um, they still do this today. This, it's almost like a traditional type of thing. They will take and they will throw out everything that has yeast in it in their house prior to this Passover, right? And even to the point they will get a broom out and they'll sweep the house clean. And, and to make sure that they obeyed the letter of the law, if they never had yeast in the house to begin with, they will take little pieces of bread that have yeast and they'll plant it in places in their house. And then they'll go through and sweep and go, act like they find it. Oh, there's yeast and I throw it out. I'm doing what the, the word said. So this was very, very important. But the most profound thing was if you failed to do this, what would happen to you? It says you would be cut off from Israel. This is the worst thing that can happen to a Jew to be exiled from your people, to be cut off 
and not had anything to do with. So when Jesus made the comment about beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, yeast meant that to them. It meant that if you take part in what these Pharisees are trying to do to me and what they're trying to sell to the people around you, you're cut off from me. You could have nothing to do from me. You are exiled from me. That was the biggest fear that a Jewish man would have had. So when he made this comment, it was big to them. Now you see how sometimes our culture doesn't show that, what we can see when we look at it through that lens of Judaism. We can see the much deeper meaning in what Jesus was saying. Now I've thought about that. Jesus was obviously making yeast synonymous with sin that was in the Pharisees. When we look at the Pharisees, what's some of the sin that he's warning us about? And how can that pertain to our life today? What was one of the sins that's obvious in the Pharisees? I'm going to open this up. What is it? Pride. All of them have a root in pride. The first root in pride was the pride of works. They had to go through everything. They had to eat kosher, prepare kosher. They had to observe and know every date down to the letter of the law. They had to know all the laws. If they didn't, they weren't going to make it. They weren't going to be saved, right? How can we fall to that today? How many of us sometimes find our pride in our works? We think, I give so much to the church, that guy doesn't give as much as me, right? I dedicate this time to the church, or I do this mission, or I do that. If your thoughts and your heart is in the fact that you think that's going to justify your salvation, you've got the yeast of the Pharisees and you need to get out of. I thought about another thing that uh, was the yeast of the Pharisees that we can fall to, and that was a pride in our theology and our intellect. Now, the Bible tells us to learn the Word, to read the Word. It says to hide the Word of the Lord in our hearts so that we won't sin, Right? But if we're thinking that that is going to get us in the pearly gates, what we know, apart from grace, that's yeast. We need to correct ourselves. I remember when I was the chaplain for a short period of time, I noticed a, a, a kind of a, a thing that would happen over and over. Like, guys would come to me and they'd have some sort of theological debate they'd want to have with me. And I started noticing it wasn't about trying to find truth. It was about them trying to prove me wrong or trying to impress me. I remember one of them was over where the uh, Ark of the Covenant currently is at. And uh, finally I said to this guy, I said, We're not, I'm not even discussing this with you. And he said, well, why not? I said, because this type of stuff just builds arrogance, thinking that we know these things. That was a yeast of the Pharisees. Now, it's great if you have a heart for theology and apologetics. It's great that you want to know that, but do it for the fact that you want God's truth to be known to other people, not because you want to be brought to some sort of a higher level, right, in people's eyes. Or you think that's going to be what's going to save you is what you know, because it's not. Apart from the grace of Jesus, it means nothing. And the third thing that I could see, now there may be some more that you can see, was the uh, Pharisees' pride in their genealogy of who they came from, right? A lot of times, now there was, there was significance to Israel uh, being, uh, the genealogy is listed in the Bible, but if you think where you came from is what's going to save you, if you think because I come from a long line of good Christian church people or good Baptists, right? If you think that my grandpa was a deacon and my great-grandpa was an elder and that's what's going to get me in them pearly gates, you've got a yeast of the Pharisees. See, they thrived on that. 
who they were and where they had come from. And as we see these things, we see that this is what Jesus is identifying as yeast. And how common is that in us? See, there's principles of yeast that is dangerous, that is very similar to, uh, to sin. Yeast is an amazing microorganism. It only needs a couple things to uh, reproduce. It needs food, which is essentially sugar, and it needs a temperature. It needs heat. I remember a conversation I had years ago uh, with an old winemaker, I should say rather a, an old hooch maker, and John's going to know what I'm talking about, so he's over there smiling. So this guy said something to me that really stood out. He said, you know, I can take this cup right here, and if I've got my homemade wine in it, he said, and I've drank it, he said, I can take that cup and I can scrub that cup and I can clean that cup. He said, then I can throw it out there in that field and I let it sit there for about a month. It can be rained on, snowed on. He said, but if I get that cup back and there's even one small piece of that microorganism in the poorest part of this cup, he says, I can make you a new batch. I thought, wow, that's kind of profound. That is amazing. Sin is, I mean, yeast is amazing, but so much of that is like sin in our life. If we miss one little part, it will start to consume us. And it will go through us. And it will grow and grow and grow. And it doesn't just grow in us. This is what Jesus is trying to tell them. It will affect the whole batch, every one of us. If I come in thinking... Well, my theology is so great. I'm impressing these guys. And, and, you know, next thing you know, what happens? John and Mike and George and Shane, they start trying to impress each other by the things that we know, thinking somehow we're justifying our salvation through our great knowledge until we're led astray by our pride, right? Or by the things that we do. If I'm trying to impress you by all the things I do, you think you've got to impress me back. And before long, we have a whole church that's led into the yeast of the Pharisees. It's a dangerous place that we don't want to go. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell these disciples. And they are starting to understand it. At first, they don't. They go back to the literal, good old Jewish boys, they go back to the literal word. They're thinking, oh, we have bread in here somewhere? But then Jesus makes his point later where they start to understand how dangerous this type of theology and this type of uh, mindset can be. Um, could you pull up Galatians 5, 9? And when we think about that in the sense of sin, it says a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You can't put a little yeast in something and think it's going to stay a little yeast. If it's not taken out, everything's going to be affected. So when we look at our life and we look at the things that we deal with, we need to identify what Jesus called the yeast of the Pharisees. And we need to identify if there's any of that in us. Um, pull up 1 Corinthians 5, 6, another example. It says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? This is another one, but it's referring to boasting. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing prideful boasting in those areas that we're all so tempted to boast in that can end up consuming us and destroying us in sin, right? That's something that we have to constantly analyze ourselves, and we have to constantly evaluate ourselves. Um, when Daniel had come up here and he had given the communion meditation, one of the things that's important about communion meditation, we do it weekly, is we're have to, supposed to have it as a moment of self-examination. 
What are we examining in ourself? Why are we examining something in ourself every week? Because if we don't sweep that house clean, the house of our heart, we're never going to find those things in us. And that's something, how many of you clean your house once a year? No? Nah, okay. Maybe Kathy. But anyway. But it may be a weekly thing. It may be a month. It's something that we have to stay on top of because it continues to come back. Dirt continues to come back just like that yeast in their house. They would do this every year. This is why we have to have this self-examination constantly. We have to think about those things and are we being led in those things. Um, as we look at not letting our hearts being misled by works and by those type of things, I want to bring up Galatians 5.4. And this was actually Paul's words. Um, Paul says, if you're trying to be justified by the law, have been, you have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. So when he talks about being alienated from Christ, this goes back, this is very similar to what we talked about, being cut off from Israel. Jesus was saying, if you go and do these things, you can have no part in me. If you believe these things are going to save you, you will have no part of me. You'll be cut off or exiled from Christ now as a new believer if you believe these are what is going to save you apart from grace. So... As we go into a time of worship um, at the end, what I want you to do, I want you to use it as a time of, of examination. What I want you to think about is, I want you to think about the way you've spoke to people this week. I want you to think about your motives of the things you have done this week. Have they been selfish motives to impress? Have they been based around works? Have they been based around things that are not of Christ? And are not out of love. I want you to examine every part of your life. And as you sweep the house of your heart clean. I want you to remember that if you can't get rid of it. Jesus is going to have no part of you. Okay. You're going to be cut off from him. This is something we have to do constantly. Examine ourselves. If you can't see it in you. Ask somebody close to you. Normally it's your spouse. They'll point out your downfalls real, real quick. <laughs> so, um, but a lot of times we can find our motives. Think about the thoughts that you've thought. The way you've treated people. Can you find any yeast in your life today? Think about it and examine yourself as we go into the time of worship. I'm going to pray.